When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 596. Going to recap the week 14 fab across the NFBC. Talk about some players that uh, surprised potentially in June and if it's sustainable or not. Uh, and much, much more. In order to do so, got a friend of mine, friend of the show. He's been on uh, a week one fab recap, plus some other shows along the way, of course. And he's a great NFBC player and fantasy baseball player. You can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Tid, how are we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubba. I'm doing great. How about you, man? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem at all. I'm glad you were able to accommodate me on short notice. I've been trying to, like, between the holiday and all this other stuff, trying to f- figure out how I'm going to do this show, and you were the man to, to answer the bell. So I, I appreciate you making it work, and uh, it's nice to have that in – it's not fair to say my back pocket, but someone I can message like that that can uh, be flexible and make it work. It's uh, it's always nice to have. So thanks for joining yeah, I saw that uh, I saw that Twitter DM pop up from Bub, and I knew right away what it was going to be about. I was like 99% <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that just – does random chats here and there too often no. so yeah if i'm sliding into the dms there's probably a good reason for it it's not the way other people slide into dms it's like hey you want to come on my show <laughs> and we'll, we'll have some fun with that but um before we get in to some of these june players uh just rough idea how is your uh, season going so far because it's like from when we talked preseason to when we talked week one i don't think any of us could have imagined just the chaos that this season has been between injuries and just pitchers getting blown up and all the call-ups and fab gone wild and no one could have predicted this season so no matter how much research you did and looked at your projections whatever nothing had this on the wall so how, how are things going for you because it's been a, a heck of a grind oh absolutely yeah i was one of those guys who was mildly whining on twitter start out the year so um, um i'll admit that i was a little upset with how things started out but um it's it turned around for the most part very nicely um in my NSBC leagues, I have five, so I have nine total. Two are um, gladiators. Those aren't. I'm not counting because I, yeah, I, I those are fun. I did zero look for those. <laughs> yeah, those are just a nightmare. Um, but in my uh, seven other NSBC leagues, five of them, I'm, I'm either third or fourth place. Good. Um, and then the one main event that I'm not, I, w- I was up to seventh uh, at one point last week. Then I had Mackenzie Gorgo and uh, yeah. someone else got blown up on the weekend, so I moved back down to tenth there. But and then my Yahoo leagues, I'm first and second. So. I'm in a good position right now with about the halfway point just uh, past. So it's a, it's turned around nicely so far, knock on wood. No, I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where I'm at. Like 
I, I'm in a lot of leagues between NFC 50s, DCs, OCs. I got a bunch of them around there. But it's like I'm near the top in a handful of them, kind of in the middle to the bottom in a handful. But that's like middle to the bottom ones I've been able to move. Like you said, on your main event at the seventh, you're doing this and that. And it to me, it feels like this last month, yes, we're going to talk about some surprises. because That's going to happen every month of the year, no matter what baseball season you're doing. But it feels like to me, and I might be t- speaking completely out of school here, it feels like at least most of the big pitchers, obviously not Christian Javier and some of these other ones, but it's kind of like mellowed out where it's like you're not getting – you're still getting the blowups, not saying it's not happening. But it's not like, man, every time you're putting anybody out there, you're like gripping. Like maybe we're – maybe we've come accustomed to being, okay, Garrett Cole, give me six innings, three earned in nine Ks, and we're calling that good now. Maybe that's what it is. But it feels like when I look at, you know, my, my stat line at the end of the night for a pitching staff, it's not as ugly every night like it was to start the season where it seems like it's kind of balancing out a little bit. So we're getting a little more like, I guess – when we go to do fab and work in the stream, we have a, a little better idea of what's going on. It feels like, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, um, I listen to the Rotowire podcast frequently and uh, Todd Zola's on the Friday to start stars with Clay, Clay Link. And one thing he said that really stuck with me that I think is a good perspective is that with all these underlying stats that we go over, like XFIP, Sierra, now we have stuff plus, we have all these different stats. We th- Maybe we think we know how pitchers should perform better. Mm-hmm. So then when they don't, we have these, high hopes that this get crushed so i wonder how much of that is is true you know to some degree um no it's a great point because yeah. like we're gonna talk about andrew abbott and i'll save it for that but <laughs> just watching him pitch he defies all metrics that say he should regress to me so that's one of those things but then there's other guys we look at and yeah that checks the box so it's kind of that's what i guess makes this game fun is we can do all the research we want but in the end once you hit submit lineups you're sitting there going okay don't screw it up, guys, and, 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 and see where it goes. And Mondays are rough, man. Yeah. I, the setting lineup sometimes. I my staff, like with the staffs, I, like it's like just chuck and, and close your eyes. Yeah, like and people are asking. Like, I can't. Remember, I was talking. I was talking to Cujo. I can't remember if you jumped in on it or some others. Between Darvish's day to day and um, Framber's day to days, is like, what are we doing this week? And I'm like, if you have a replacement, I just put someone in because with the All Star break coming up, who knows what they're going to do? At the same time, not a lot of us have replacements right now that are worth putting out there so it's kind of a, a guessing game and and keeps it keeps it interesting but we're at halfway point like you said i think it's fun i guess one other thing i'll ask you because especially in reference to i guess your team that's like around the seventh place mark that you're grinding on when you're when you're doing your fab in that because like when you're higher up you're just kind of meeting team needs and like kind of playing it i wouldn't say safe but you're playing it smart when you're high up when you're down below you might be willing to take a few more chances because you need to kind of like go for it type deal how are you approaching that, especially since it's a main event of 15-team format where the fab pool is not great? So you, you definitely have to, like, do some digging. Are you being, like, extra aggressive? Are you still being conservative? Is it obviously a week-to-week thing? How are you going about that? Yeah, so this one was, like, I think it was, like, 15th at one point earlier in the year. It's it, The hitting is, like, carrying the team right now. It's a pitching that's been an issue. Um, so currently I have five inactive pitchers on my bench <laughs> for this one. Um and I have guys like Nestor, uh, Max Freed. I added Kyle Wright. So I have these wait, like a lot of these wait and see guys that everyone's like really adding right now. Um, but with this team also, I'm, I'm like almost last in saves. And I tweeted out a week or two ago, one of my, I think it may have been this exact main event league or another one. Someone dropped Ryan Housley and Kendall Graveman. They're, they're only two closers. I was like, whoa, it's kind of early for that, I feel like. Yeah. I'm about to drop Evan Phillips and Scott Barlow from this team, but there's no one to add starting pitching wise to fill them in. So it's almost like they're like quality enough relievers where you would fill in for a subpar starter. 
type. So I don't want to cut them yet. But if I get Nestor back, Max Freed back, I had Trevor Rogers. I had to drop him because I have Logan Allen on that team. So I'm holding Logan Allen. So if I get all those starters back, I'm going to probably just straight up punt state save. So, and not even worry about the overall. Cause I, I'm like in the four hundreds anyway, so there's no shot. I just want to try to get to like third place, you know, and uh, cash. So yeah, that's, that's an aggressive take. I think Um punting right away. I like it. And that's why I kind of want to bring this up. Cause like I have a couple of C's that I'm in the same boat where I, I'm seeing my, my, my points go up, but that's a big gap to get to the next level, but I'm seeing the movement. Like how do I stay, aggressive what do i i've been trying to be aggressive it's been it's bit me a couple weeks another weeks it's pretty nice um and i'm with you i'd rather at least cash in my league if i know i can't cash in the overall that's pretty pretty clear cut so i think that's definitely a strategy to take at this point in time Uh, i know i do a lot of 12s with way different than 15s um and most people should know that by now by listening to this show because i mentioned that a lot but um like i dropped paul seawald a few weeks ago because i had like five closers and he's been great. Like, trust me, it was not an easy decision. But, like, when you have Klasse and Doval, and, like, it's like, yeah, you're kind of the odd man out in this scenario, <laughs> as, as weird as it feels, because I needed more starting pitchers. Like, I needed guys that can go deep into games. And so it's just a it's a weird dynamic, and that's why you'll see certain leagues, you'll see drops made, and you're, you hit the waiver wire later in the week, you start getting your bids ready. Like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Like, and, and it's, we're at that time of the year where that's going to happen more often now than it used to. You're going to see certain moves made, like, I think I did it in half my leagues, and I've almost did it in all. Like Lars Newtbar was a drop for me on certain leagues, just because of the situation in St. Louis, where you know some people will look at that and go, like, "What are you doing?" And it's just like, "Hey, it's it doesn't fit in a twelve right now. It really doesn't." He's not. So you're gonna see more names like that. Is my point coming up? So I was kind of curious on how you were going about it in your fifteens because um, we both joked about it, and many did. Guilds is back on top in the OC, which is I just saw that news. Insane. <laughs> Like, I've had the guy on many times. Other guys have, but we all know him. Great guy. Yeah. The dude's been like a top five OC machine, won the overall last year. And if you follow him, he's tweeting stuff out about how he's like here in the overall. He's here and he just keeps grinding and he keeps climbing. And he just does like, I'm like, dude, but he'll do basically to bring this all back, he'll do those aggressive things like you're talking about. Like, um, maybe with the overall, not so much now, but he'll start dropping certain dudes to like make changes on things. And it's an interesting philosophy. So I just wanted to bring it up for a little discussion point there. And at the halfway point, how are you uh, viewing things or, uh, I guess, attacking things to improve your standings type situation? Yeah, even last year, too, with the main event, I, I dropped Rowdy Telez in, like, September. which I almost dropped like, him this week. It's painful right now, man. Um, Yeah, in 15s, I can't cut him. But, like, it's, yeah, in, it, yeah. in my 12s, at least one of my 12s I, on Yahoo, I cut him. And the other one, it's a little deeper keeper league. I'm not going to keep him, but it's just, like, it's an on-base slugging league. So, I want to hold him there, but the average league, he, I, I got him yeah, no, for Joey Votto. So it's like another yeah. black hole for another black yeah. hole. So it's. I almost, I almost dropped Telez in a twelve for Cardo Santana. That's where we're at right now. So yeah, oh, yeah, that's so yeah, rough when you have to do rough. that. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I was yeah. really close to doing it, and we'll, we'll see how it pays off. But before we move on to some players here, I did want to bring up Rob McCabe on Twitter. I try to mention him at least once a show because he's been putting out awesome data things, and I bugged him enough about OC, so he threw OC data into this. But but what I really wanted to mention here to kind of bring it all home to the, um, I guess, to keep grinding to do some crazy things, but grind period, is he just tweeted out a thing about potential inactive bidders already. And you're, this past week, 28% of main events, 30% of, of OCs were kind of inactive. And it wasn't a major fab week. We'll talk about that. But between people out of money, holiday weekend, and we're starting to get towards football, you're going to start to see that number climb. So I'm looking forward to that report every week. So like so like Ben, for instance, in seventh place, with inactivity certain leagues, if he keeps grinding, 
he can get guys on the waiver wire that'll push him into the cash potentially by the end. Like it'll be very, very doable. So you never know. It's a, it's a very interesting thing to see. And but yeah, go check, go, go, go check out uh, Rob's Twitter because it's, I guess I should give it to you. It's at Slee S L E E H rat nation. And he's got a bunch of cool data every fab period and some other stuff. So go check that out. All right, let's talk about some June surprises. There was many, obviously. I was going to highlight the, some of the big ones. I guess some that I've talked about a lot in article form or podcast form throughout the last few weeks. I want to get your take on what we're seeing here. And we're going to start with House Sung Kim of the San Diego Padres. And this is a guy a couple of years ago, you know, he gets signed over from, from Asia over there in Korea. I believe it was Korea. And um, it was supposed to be his big bat. Awesome stuff. Really never panned out. Couldn't get consistent playing time. But now he is getting that playing time. He's getting a lot of it at leadoff lately, which is very big as well. And in the month of June, we saw him hit 291 with uh, four homers and four stolen bases and scored 16 runs, which is it's just pretty nice. He's been back to eighth and seventh the last two games. I'll bring that up. But the other thing with Kim is besides just the production, dude's eligible everywhere because he plays all over the diamond. So that's tr- like him and Andy Abani has saved a lot of my rosters this week. Just going to throw that out there. A lot of them this week because with Jazz going on the IL and stuff, it's just big. So um, what's your thoughts on how Sung Kim going forward? Um, I think a lot of these guys that really did really well, we're both going to say, well, he's not going to be that good. But like how good can he be is how we're kind of ana- analyzing this. So what do you got on how Sung Kim? I think he's done – well, he's done a little bit more than what we were hoping for. I think going into the season, I was hoping for like a 15-15 season probably with, like you mentioned, the eligibility. So he's a great guy to have in draft and holds. Um, that's, I have him on one of mine. So he's I've had him in the lineup every every week. I haven't taken him out at all. Um, and now instead of that 15-15 I was hoping for, he's like more of like a 20-25 pace if he keeps it up. And there's a good shot if he keeps it in leadoff. Look at those extra plate appearances. Um his plate skills are pretty solid if you look at baseball savant, but the, I mean, the quality of contact isn't the best, but you don't really want, you don't really need power from him. You just want him to get on base ahead of uh, Tatis, Soto, but Xander, those guys. Um, and I was looking at his month by month splits. If he didn't hit so poorly in April, he, he'd be even doing even better now. Cause he was like, he had a 556 OPS, I think in April. And uh, since then he's been much better. So I, I, I like him even in 12 teams, like, in the Yahoo leagues I play, where you have uh, shallow benches, he's a great guy to have because you have like a, a games cap that you're trying to achieve. And on, on low volume days, he's a great guy to plug in at one of the infield positions. Yeah, no, actually, I think it was, it was last week uh, between my NFPC article and my my Yahoo article, I think I wrote him up in both of them because he was well well deserved to be picked up. Uh, he was in one of my three twelves last week or two when I got him before last week started. I was like my primary target that week. The thing that surprised me, or I was always concerned to me, because Toby was has always been a big Kim fan, because projection-wise, he rates out pretty well for 15s. Like you said, if you can get a guy that can play everywhere, he's going to be 15 15, that's got real value in a 15 team league. So Toby's always been a big fan. I was always concerned with playing time. Well, production slash playing time has been the bugaboo. But this year, the production stayed strong. And somehow I'm like, he's still playing because I was worried that maybe, you know, there was rumors let's move Tatis into the infield. No, they're keeping him in the outfield. So that's good. What about Carpenter being a pain in the butt or Jake Cronenworth? Cronenworth's been bad. And they're keeping him at first base. So, like, everything's still aligning right now to, to keep Kim on the field. And as long as he produces, I think we're good to go with Kim. And, um, you know, if you believe in the rest of the season projections, you mentioned he's already out, out achieving things now. Now the bad X still has him at two forty four seven and seven. If he plays the way he's playing now, I think we can kind of agree he's going to maybe go at least ten ten. I don't know. I don't know seven at least steals wise. I think there's a lot to like there. So yeah, I think he's a, he's a fun ad. I, mean, I like your your take on the Yahoo twelves as definitely something that can uh, add to that as well. Yep. 
All right. Let's talk about the new, uh, the latest fantasy baseball Twitter legend in Tommy Pham as he broke Twitter and before Elon broke it last week. And um, Pham has been amazing. This is a guy I, I give kudos to Curland on because he's deep diving every week for his main event stuff. And every once in a while in our chats, he'll, he'll, he'll text me or we'll talk about names. And he mentioned Pham about two weeks before he really kind of came on the radar. So I had him in a few places. But you look at Tommy Pham's numbers, and this is a guy we used to love every year because he's like a – at least a 2020 guy with upside. And right now he's bad, if not better. In the month of June, Fam hit 349 with six homers, four stolen bases, you know, 291 ISO was insane. But what I love the most, a near 20% barrel, a near 60% hard hit rate. He's just mashing, absolutely mashing. Even on Sunday Night Baseball, which is not in these stats, he was crushing it again. Like he's locked in right now. He had an eye surgery that helped quite a bit. It's amazing, Ben, when you can see the baseball, how things work <laughs> for you. But what's your takes on Tommy Pham? Because, again, I don't know if we're expecting 350 the rest of the season, but if we can get a guy that can put up maybe you know, double-digit homers and steals in the second half, like, whoa, we got something going for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I looked at a roster resource for the Mets today on Fangraphs, and they have him second now. Um, I don't know if he's really batted there that, all that often lately, but they, they see him moving up into the top of the lineup, which would be awesome for him. Um, they have Mark Hahn on the bench now, which I think is a – smart way to go for the Mets going forward um his savant his baseball savant is all red so that backs up what you were talking about his barrel rate and all and those, all those stats it's, he's just crushing it right now and the one thing though that um well I mean it makes sense with the barrel rate how hard he was hitting the ball in June but his BABIP I kind of quickly tried to estimate it or calculate it out it was probably around like 436 so it's just if he can just sustain the contact that he's been making um going forward I think he'll still He's not going to do what he did in June, like the rest of the year, but he'll be definitely serviceable. Um, I just wish I had him on more teams. I, I was a, he was on my first gladiator. I think he's like my last pick. I'm like, he hadn't signed yet. And then once he went to the Mets, I'm like, well, I don't want him as a fourth outfielder now. So it's a little upsetting. And, and I didn't get him in fab anywhere. So kind of missed yeah, out. Yeah. You, sh- you shared a lot of sentiments I felt during draft season because I wanted the value on fan because he hadn't signed, but you knew he would. It's so like, I would take late chances on some of my early, early drafts. But then when he signed with the Mets, it was like a week after they signed Mark Kana. So you're like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. what, like how's this going to work out? Well, it's like Baseball HQ says, draft skills over role because eventually it comes into play if uh, as the season goes on. So, yeah, Tommy Pham, pretty solid. And I expect a nice second half. Like, obviously not like this, but pretty darn nice. Ezekiel Duran's a fun one because I, I love him in DFS. He's cheap every day. He's been very serviceable with his position flexibility. Um, he's bat seventh for one of the best teams in baseball that just put up another 11 spot on Monday against the Houston Astros. And that's Ezekiel Duran uh, in the month of June, hit 349 with five homers, one stolen base, uh, just hitting the ball hard. A lot of Tommy fan types have 70% barrel, almost 48% hard hit rate. This is a guy that I wouldn't say came out of nowhere this year, but kind of come out of nowhere this year. So it's like you're wondering how sustainable is this for how long? So he's been doing it most of the season. So what's your thoughts on Ezekiel Duran? I'm a big fan. Um, he's on my good main event team. Um, so I'm rooting for him to keep this up. And uh, I remember he, he popped up last year too, as a, one of those speed third base options. Um, I think him and one of, whoever was on the Diamondbacks, another third baseman, they were kind of like the two of the fab guys last year. So he kind of had a cup of coffee already, but looking at his uh, baseball Devon, he's all red also, just like you mentioned with fam. The only issues are his um, play skills. The uh, K percentage is kind of high walk percentage kind of low. Um, but if he just keeps mashing, I think he'll hopefully overcome that somewhat. And he's been able to throughout the first half of the year. He's hit over 300 in every month. So he's proven that he's a he's a good hitter. Um, 
like you mentioned, lineups awesome. Even if he's betting low in the lineup, they're going to turn it around plenty. And once he's just like with Kim, like he has that three position eligibility. I think he's third short in outfield now. I've been able to move around in my lineups, which is nice. And uh, yeah, if he's available even in 12 teamers, I have him in a 12 teamer. Um, go out and grab him. Yep, I'm 100% with you on that one. This next guy, I'm a big, big fan of. And I'm a big fan of Ezekiel Tovar when he's not even in Coors Field. That's the beautiful thing about Tovar. Uh, in the month of June, He's hit 323, and he missed a little bit of time because his wife had their first child. So we'll give him a grain of salt there. But hitting 323 with five homers, two stolen bases, he scored 15 runs. Um, He's riding a 15-game hitting streak as of Monday. More impressively, if you look at his game logs for the month of June, he hit in every game but two. Every game but two games in June. So he's like a, a Babbitt machine, which is great for that ballpark. But he's got more pop than I think people give him credit for. So I'm a huge Tovar fan. Uh, and this is kind of the guy we hoped he would be when the like the the expectations in the minors. What's your thoughts on Ezekiel Tovar's June? I was a big fan as well. I I, I had him on that same team as uh, Duran. Um, right after he was dropped, in, I got I got the 13 game hitting streak, which was beautiful. Um, he's batting second for the last six games, so he's going to get those plate appearances. Um, which even when they're on the road, like to your point about not caring if he's not at cores, like he's going to get plenty of chances to steal, score runs. Um, his savant isn't the best. Um, in terms of uh, percentiles, but um, so there could be a little cool down. Like you might have a little cold streak coming up here now that he's been so hot. Um, but I think at least definitely in deep leagues, um, those CI, MI rosters, he should be rostered and started right now. Um, kind of thinks he only has a two game week to start out this week. Um, but for the weekend, plug him back in definitely. Uh, one thing I saw too, he, he's not, he, he is stealing now, but not as much. He's four of seven, I think, on the year, which is a little concerning. Um, I think when he was getting drafted um, this year, people were hoping more for like 20 and he's going to have to pick it up a little bit, I think to get close to that. Um, But one positive I've noticed looking at his um, monthly logs, um, his K's have decreased all three months and his averages increased all three months. So um, I think he's probably getting a little more comfortable. I don't think he played a lot last year either. So he's, he's basically a rookie. Um, So I, I like Tovar a lot too. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Tovar got like, he, he was getting hyped up all throughout the minors last year, got kind of a late call. They gave him a little run, but it wasn't anything special. And like, yeah, we were hoping for the, some power with a lot of speed and average. We're kind of getting more power than speed, like you said, but you never know. Maybe he's a little banged up. Maybe he's, I don't know. The Rockies do things weird. So maybe they're not having guys run. Who knows what Colorado's doing right now. <laughs> so that, that could be a problem as well, but it's fun to see Tovar getting it going. At least they put him usually hitting second every day which is nice as well. Again, back to the point we were both making about even on the road, he can get on base, you know, hopefully score a run with the top half of the Rockies order and, and see where the rest goes. Uh, an ad from you, which I like a lot because I laugh. I'm like, I almost put this guy on there, is Michael Garcia of the Kansas City Royals, a dude that uh, plays primarily third base but has the positional flexibility because playing throughout the middle infield. Uh, so he, in the month of June, hit 280 with two homers, nine stolen bases, though. That's where the fun begins. There's not a ton of power in there, like a .097 ISO. So they're not expecting the world in that regards. But he has good on-base skills and can run for days, which most of Kansas City can. So what what do you got on Michael Garcia that uh, that got you going here? I wish I had him on more teams. I have him on, I think, three, and it's, it's not enough. Um, yeah, you mentioned his nine steals in June, which is awesome. It's a, almost like a 54-steal pace, which is awesome. Um since June 21st, he's batted top five every game, started all of them, and including leadoff the last two. So if he can stick leadoff, um, I know the Royals aren't that good. I mean, they have decent players still. It's just like, I guess, as a whole, they're not good. Um, like when you look at who they're rolling out there. Um, but first, even for that team, would be terrific. Um, he sprays the ball to all fields. 
you know, he has a low barrel rate, so don't, don't expect too much power. But um, overall, he's a very good player. And I think if he's available, um, definitely go out and add him. I'm starting him in one of those 12-team leagues right now. So yeah. even where it's relatively shallow, I, he's just too hot right now. Yeah, wherever I have Garcia, I am playing him. I'm 100% with you there. And one thing I, I say a lot is hitting's contagious with teams, and you see it a, a lot. And as a whole, the Royals have just not been good. But the thing I'll say, and I know Vinny P's not there, but the talent is there. Like, Salvi's still good. Witt's good. I, I, you still look at MJ Molina's underlying metrics. He looks like he's still good. Like, there's talent on that team. So you're just waiting for that to happen. And if Garcia's leading off when that finally happens, like you said, that could be a big, big boom to the second half of the season. Blake Snell said to the mound on this one, Blake Snell, you know, we usually wait for the second half for Blake Snell. He kind of jumped the gun on us this year, but my goodness, his month of June is like unconscious. He's got at least six innings in all five starts. He's allowed three total runs over his 31 innings. He struck out 53 in those 31 innings. He struck out at least 10 in four straight starts. And he has a 20 near 20% swinging strike rate in the month of June. Like, None of this is sustainable. I'm very confident of that. But could we see a, a Blake Snell going forward with at least like two out of three or three out of four starts could be pretty solid? Are you confident in that? Or what's your thoughts on Blake Snell? He could might be going every start. It's going to be great at this pace. Um, I have him only on one team, unfortunately, but he's a he's a staple now. I think when he was still struggling, I would kind of pick his spots. But now going forward, he's not going to leave my lineup. Um, but, of course, with Snell, he still has the walk issue, despite all the good stuff you uh, – highlighted at the start of this um 4.3 walk per nine which isn't good if you go to the percentage it's 11.6 which is not good at all but it's just the case are kind of helping him out right now um yeah he's he's with the, way, with the way that pitching is right now you have to start him i think um he, he even showed in cores that he could yeah. dominate them so he challenged he already tackled that challenge uh, so for now until something changes um i think he's had to ride it yeah, he's been impressive. There's been a handful of guys. Like, it was tough to narrow down the list for pitchers because there's <laughs> big Junes that came across. But Snell's was absolutely ridiculous. Um, this one's kind of a, a homer for me, so tell me, like, if I'm wrong, let me have it. But Brian Bayo, this is the guy I pounded the drum for all preseason. He finally got the, the regular run, and he's been dominant, at least consistent, really consistently good. Uh, at least six innings in every start in the month of uh, June. They're on 33 and two-thirds, struck out 26. So he's not the big, big strikeout arm, but he gets your strikeouts. He limits damage. I just I, I trust him to go out there and make a, and make every start. I don't like I'm waiting for him to take that next step to being like a I'm gonna start dominating dudes, but I don't know if he's gonna find it this year or not. So what's your thoughts on Brian Bayo? I've heard someone mention it say that he's like a Framber Jr. And I looking at him today, I, I kind of see why where they're coming from. It's there. Uh, yep. Yeah, his ground ball percentage on the year is fifty seven point two percent, which is like elite. Um He's a good ERA estimator, so he's kind of out pitching what they are at around like three eight. But I mean, what he's doing is fine. I don't see a reason why. Like, even if he regresses back to that three eight, he's going to be great for you. Um, the walk isn't terrible, seven point one seven point one percent. Just hopefully it stays about that level, which is I think that's better than what Framer used to be. Um, his left on base and Babbitt are good. I was looking at those to see if he's been a little unlucky or lucky. But the one thing with this June stats, so I looked at, so he had a 174 batting average against with a K per nine of less than nine. So without seeing what the actual BABIP was, I have a feeling it was uh, relatively low for June. Um, you want Bayo's BABIP? I can give it to you right here. Um, Bayo's BABIP for the okay, – one more page. There we go. Bayo's BABIP for the month of June was 219. Yeah, so as a ground ball pitcher, that's pretty low. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, you'd rather have it on the ground than in the air, especially in Fenway. So I think, uh, and I, I understand why he's your bay, and uh, <laughs> yep, he is, he is my bay. I'm a big, big of bayo. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you guys, you guys get my dad humor. It's, it's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love what we're seeing there. Like just a quick twist because somebody that feels very similar to him that you have reference of being a New York Yankees fan. I see a lot of, I don't know if it's all similar, but Clark Schmidt does a lot of the same things to me. He'll go like five or six innings, limits the damage, but he doesn't get any strikeouts right now. That's very frustrating to me. For someone that probably watches the Yankees way more than I do, what are you? What are your thoughts on Clark Schmidt? Like, do you think he's got the next level to start striking dudes out while staying consistent, or just kind of who who he is right now? Yeah, I mean, everyone had, was so hyped up for him going into the season once they thought he was going to have a spot in the rotation. Um, and a lot of what he did though was in the bullpen when he had all those good that, that those good stats in the limited time. Um, I, yeah, he's. He, he has potential. It's just going to, he has to figure it out. I think a little bit and with Rodon coming back and now Herman through the perfect game. I, he's going to be on the low end of the totem pole. I think um, if they get enough bodies back, but uh, I don't know if he'll be what we were hoping for this year, but I mean, maybe if he gets a new pitch next over the off season or something or tweak something, maybe next year he'll be a good, a uh, good guy to target if he falls. All right. Good to know. Uh, Braxton Garrett. Now you get your chance to swoon. Um, I've swooned plenty about him, and uh, this is Ryan Bloomfield. If anyone wants to know, if you look at DC uh, ADP, Brian, Ryan Bloomfield set the ADP on Braxton Garrett in our way too early DC. Took him about sixty picks before he went everywhere else, but it's starting to turn out well. As the month of June, Garrett made five starts, allowed seven runs, over twenty-eight and a third, while striking out thirty-eight. Like if you go deeper, go all the way back for that one start where he got left out to dry in May. Dude, stats are ridiculous. So what is it with Braxton Garrett that makes you liking him so much? All right, so I have a lot of stats here for my boy Braxton Garrett. Uh, so he's made 16 starts. These are his runs in terms of most to least. 11, you mentioned the Braves game. Four, that was May 8th against the Diamondbacks. Four, June uh, 5th against the Royals. Two, two, two. So he has three games with more than two runs allowed, earned runs allowed out of 16 starts. That means he has 10 starts of one run or zero. Um, that's And then that's, and despite all that with the brave start, he's a three, five, six ERA or three, five, three, which is just like, if you avoided that start, he's been a, a fab darling for you. He's probably been one of the best um, additions off of free agency this year. Uh, his K rate is 27.7%. His walk rate is 4.5%. So that K minus walk percentage that you get you and Ryan love and we all love. That's 23.2. That's that's getting close to elite. And then if you want to look at his luck metrics, so 316 Babbitt, that's maybe even high. His uh, left on base is 76.5%, which is probably league average. The only thing, um, well, there's two things that are like the chinks in the armor. That's his XERA is 4.14. He has a very um, high exit velocity against. Um, I wonder how much of that Braves game like jacked that up because I probably just seen off on him the entire time. I think he had like 14 hits. Um, and then if you're looking for wins, he doesn't get you many wins because of the, because of the Marlins, even though they're playing well, he's, he does, he wasn't going very deep in the games. I know this is the thing that Scott White on CBS was always kind of holding him back for him was, um, the length he was going in the games. But I mean, when he was pitching this well and the way the pitcher was getting blown up, there's just, there's no reason to complain about what he's been doing. And, uh, I'm fortunate. Um, I have him on five of my six teams where they're not Ooh. drafting holes or gladiators. So I, been reaping the rewards and uh i had him last year too so like i knew like when he got called up to fill 
for Cueto, I think it was. I'm like, okay, I'm definitely going after him because I think that was the week that Bybee was up, yep. Logan Allen. So he he was like the third guy, or he's like in that time frame. So, um, yeah, Brett, I'm, I'm, it's not going to stick like this all year, I'm sure, but he's going to be good going forward as in terms of the skills. I think he'll be very good, like you said. There will be a blow-up coming up. It will happen just because that's the name of the game. But uh, like to Scott White's point, I used to be like that. Like I was like that with Yuri Perez. That's why I was scared of Yuri Perez. And I'd take five innings of everything he does every start right about now. Like in the oh, in the yeah. conditions of baseball that we're living in, it's not like it was a year or two ago. Like you you'll take five good innings right now and just walk away. Like don't worry about wins. Wins are just going to be one of those fluky stats like usual. Just right. give me the ratios to strikeouts right now. I'll figure out the rest. Like that's that's kind of the name of the game. And Garrett's perfect for that. Um, and you mentioned kind of like that that Braves game probably having an impact. Like I just, I, I'll go back to his, just his June numbers here: two 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 ERA with a one nine eight xFIP. So the the uh, the um, indicators are saying the same thing. And then you look at his his Statcast metrics for the month of June: seven point nine percent barrel, forty two point nine percent hard hit rate. Not crazy, but not bad. Like he's like you don't want to see forty three percent hard hit, but you'll take it compared to what he's doing out there. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm with you. Big fan of what Braxton Garrett's doing. We'll uh, hopefully see some more uh, continued success from Mr. Garrett. All right, let's talk Reed Detmers. This is a guy that last season, Ben, that everyone's like, oh, look, he went to the minors and, and developed this slider, and he's going to be great. And he was good for a little bit. Then it kind of started reverting back a little bit. And then we saw good things in spring training, and then it kind of reverted back a little bit. And then he goes to the minors again and comes back, and Reed Detmers has been a beast, an absolute beast that um, in the month of June – he has made five starts. He's got a 205 ERA, a 327 XFIP, but he has 36 Ks in 30 and two-thirds innings pitched in his last four starts in June, one run runner less, and at least eight strikeouts in each start. And that's against the White Sox, the Dodgers, at the Texas Rangers, and the Chicago Cubs. Not the easiest of matchups either. So, like, he earned those stats. So what's your thoughts on Reed Detmers? Because it's one of those, like, I love what I'm seeing. I'm just scared because he's broken our hearts too many times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. His, his price in drafts was crazy. Like Once he came out in spring training, I, I was not on board with that 100-pick jump that we were seeing roughly. Um, and I missed out because of it. I, I didn't draft him anywhere. I did add him, though, in a league uh, recently in one of my uh, daily lineup leagues. But um, when I looked at Reed, I saw kind of a similar th- trend with uh, Bayo for June. Uh Demers had a 167 batting average against with a 10.8 K per nine. So that's a good K per nine, but that that's a really low batting average against. So I feel like he had some good uh, fortune with his BABIP as well. I, I wasn't able to get a, a breakdown of just what his BABIP was in June. Um, looking at his year-to-date stats, he has a 9% walk rate, which is going to hold him back, I think. But he has a 30% strikeout rate. So that's a 21% K minus walk percentage, which is awesome. That's almost like where Garrett's is at. It's just the walks are, it could get into, get him in trouble going forward. Uh, his estimators are mid threes for his ERA. So they're liking what he's doing. I think the K rate really helps a lot with that. Uh, and then the last two, the, so the only two th- points of caution I have with Detmers are more like uh, uh, contact related. He has a 33.3% ground ball percentage. So a lot of fly balls, a lot of line drives, and that's coupled with an ex- average exit velocity of almost 91 miles per hour. So um, if that sticks and he doesn't strike out like, 14 per nine, I could see him getting some uh, blow up outings every once in a while. Um, but yeah, he's another guy where, with the way pitching is used, even in 12 teamers, he's definitely an ad and uh, starting in most matchups. I, I did not realize he uh, helped, he had that tough of a stretch with the Dodgers and Rangers. But yeah, he's uh, he's been good lately. Yeah. And that's what, that's what is with that at Texas start. 
that opened my eyes in a big, big way. That was like, whoa, okay, you you mean business? That's good. Good to see. Um, so we'll they're see due for that. a bad start, probably, or a bad uh, outing. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to say, kind of about all these guys. They're all going to get blown up here pretty soon. That's the name of the game right now. It's just, can you be the Kevin Gossmans where you get blown up every like six start, and then your next five starts are Cy Young level, where it makes it not even hurt as much. That's the difference. Can like Garrett and Detmers and these guys, can they go out there and throw three or four really, really good starts like they've been doing? Okay, go give up five or six runs like it's going to happen, but then come back with another like four really good starts. I can live with that. Like if you could do that, I'll accept it in this world of baseball that we live in. So um, that's kind of the name of the game right now. I'm with you. There's going to be some some fun ones coming up for some of these pitchers because obviously we picked all these really good arms and the, the blow-ups will be great and I'll get the – but Bubba, you said – well, yeah, I did. Uh, you're right. I did. But um, the last one I want to mention, and this is just one, is kind of I will admit when I was wrong on things, and Andrew Abbott I was wrong on. I love the numbers we saw in the minors. Um, we talked about – like x stats and everything I'm, I'm even including his sunday start the july start so he's made six starts since getting called up june 5th abbott has a 121 era with a 426 xfip that usually screams massive regression he has a hundred percent left on base rate that's not sustainable a 190 babbit not sustainable a 7.8 percent home run to fly ball in great american small park not sustainable but the dude has 42 Ks and 37 of 30s, got um, 30 of those Ks in his last three starts. And the reason I'm here to apologize is that the blow up will happen because it happens to Hunter Green, happen to Nicodolo. That ballpark will give you blow ups. There's no way around it. I don't care how good you are. But watching the way he's pitched against like a Padres team on Sunday in Great Americans, the talent is undeniable. And so I will admit that wrong part of me where his early starts, he wasn't even getting strikeouts. So I'm like, okay, you pitched a contact, you're done. Like it's never going to have a chance. He's at least fooling guys now, which gives him some leeway like Lodolo and Green to have some success. Still scary to roster success, though. So what's your thoughts on Andrew Abbott? Well, you pointed out a lot of the stats that I, I was looking at when I was re- reviewing the, the rundown earlier today. And, yeah, that, that Babbitt and left on base percentage, those are definitely going to come back to bite him. Um, yeah, I, so if you want to look at the estimators, the XERA and FIP are low threes, so that's good. So that means he's uh, limiting the contact like like to your point, I haven't watched him pitch yet, so I, I can't say what I've seen. Um, I just have the numbers here to go off of. His XFIP though and Sierra are above four, so I think XFIP is more is more uh, is preferable to FIP amongst most because of that average fly ball rate you were mentioning, home to fly ball rate, um, especially where he pitches is pretty low. One thing I found interesting though, looking at his stats, so he's a three point one three walk per or a walk per nine, which is good, but his percentage is nine point one percent walk percentage. So those don't really line up for me. So I think that has to do with the luck factors because these guys are walking, but then maybe he's getting like double plays or something to clean, clean up his messes. That would explain the left on base rate being hundred percent. They're, they're scoring on a home run or they're getting a race on a double play. Um, that, that just can't sustain. And also the last thing I wanted to point out, I think you mentioned was his swinging strike rate is only 11.5. So I'm not sure what his K, I think you mentioned pretty high K numbers and that doesn't really, jive either i don't think he's got 42 k's but it's all like been his last three starts so on the season 29.4 percent k 9.1 walk 20.3 percent k to walk it's not bad but like before that i guess first three starts he had a 8.7 k to walk 4.2 0.0 it's all coming the last three starts which is good he's developing so that's what you want to see but it's just one of those like whoa that's a different guy all of a sudden yeah so i mean if you've just kept rolling them out there yeah you're getting rewarded right now but I, you're being a little hard on yourself, Bob. I, I think it's going to come around eventually. 
it is. It's going to be one of those. It's it's literally one of those. Like, can you give a Braxton Garrett and give up eleven runs, get it over with, and come back to be good? For, like, yeah, and make it an obvious start where you can avoid it. Yeah, like, hey, the Texas Rangers are coming to Great American Small Park. Yeah, I'm or I'm, I'm going to sit you for the night. That's cool. And we'll, we'll come back <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. All right, let's recap some fab as we like to do on this show. I usually highlight the twelve team OCs. If you want to bring some main event in there, you're more than welcome to. But uh, we do twelve team OCs. And it's the Wild West, as you'd expect, in bidding, even going back to, to some of those charts I mentioned. Um, he said, uh, this is the most inefficient thing I've ever seen, basically, the OC bidding, because it's all over the board. Like, yeah, yeah, try playing at them. It's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> trying to, like, narrow it down and figure out what went wrong. But uh, let's go straight up to a guy that you picked up this week by winning your bid by a dollar. I think it might have been over Frank Stanfield. I'm not sure. Um, Because you guys had a chat about it. I know Frank said he lost by a dollar. Maybe different leagues, just similar scenario. But that is Jordan Westberg of the Baltimore Orioles, who got called up last week. And in his first week of action, he hit 263, double, scored a couple runs, didn't strike out a ton. Um, What's your takes on Westberg, who really, really nice numbers in the minors? Yeah, he was someone... I remember looking up prospects for my draft and hold drafts. And I, I, I have one team where I got Joey Westberg instead. I was like, I, or Joey Ortiz instead. I, uh, I definitely have my eye on Westberg and drafts going into the year as someone who could get called up. And now it's finally happened. So it's, um, I'm excited for him. The one thing I realized afterwards that you forget about the, the wall in Camden and he's a right-handed hitter. So that's going to, that's definitely going to impact his power, I think. Um, but on his per pace stats and this year in the minors, he was on pace for like 36 homers. Um, which you're not going to find that right now uh, off the waiver wire unless someone got dropped. Um, so that, I was, that's why I needed – I was aggressive in adding him. Um, and also, I heard this too. They're calling him up to play him, I think, at this point. They're, like He's not going to go through what Joey Ortiz did and start like against lefties and um, maybe play once every three games. I think he's up there to, to stay because Mateo's been awful. Ramon uh, Urias isn't anything special. Like he's good for deep leagues, but he, I don't think he's anything special for the Orioles. Um, and also too. So he's, at least I think on NFBC and Yahoo where I play, he's only shorts up eligible. So he's going to become second and third. I think eventually that's only where he's played so far. Last time I looked, he had two starts at both or he played two games at least at both positions. And that's going to be huge if he's playing every day uh, going forward. Um, and yes, I was the same league with Frank. I, uh, I saw you tweet out the picture too. I was like, I couldn't remember if it was that yeah. same league or not. Yeah. Yeah. I felt bad. I went back to him. I said, well, Frank, I'll trade him for the fourth place position right now. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the one where I'm in, I'm bouncing in the middle of the pack right now. And, uh, yeah, Frank's doing well in that league, but, um, yeah, it, so. it, it would have been really funny. Could have said, well, darn, I could have saved a buck and still beat you in a tie off. Yeah, it's true. I was thinking that. It would have been worse that way. (laughs) It could have been worse, a lot worse. (laughs) Exactly. Even worse if I was Frank going, oh, you kidding me. But, uh, yeah, so that's funny. But, uh, yeah, the Westbrook thing is interesting. I like the positional thing. That's a big, big part to me. And I I joke about Andy Abanez because I know he's on a world beater, but having second, third, and outfield is great. We talked about Kim early on. Like, this time of the year with all these weird injuries and everything, it is way, way bigger than I think people – want to even like we emphasize it a lot and it's even more important by the way we emphasize so getting a guy like westberg with his talent on a very good orioles lineup like that will score runs i think there's a lot to like there for sure especially if you can tap into that power and, and see where that can go and you never know maybe he slides into shortstop once in a while because mateo's been bad so there's a whole lot of places for westberg to play all right let's talk about the second most rostered player this week uh michael soroka picked up in 115 leagues as high as 69 dollars 
Um, Soroka came back up. He made those first two starts. Great story. Still kind of struggled. Went back to the minors to work on things. Made the start against Miami this past weekend. Six innings, three runs, seven Ks. Still got two more home runs, though. So that makes you kind of wonder. Uh, he's still got the long ball tendencies in him. But um, you got to like what you're seeing, at least, when it comes to Mark Soroka. And in that start, I just want to look real quick. 10.2% swinging strike rate. Not horrible. What's your thoughts on Soroka? Because some people are like all in wanting to get him this week. Some people are like, yeah, I'm going to take a step back and I'll lightly bid on him. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think he was the ad in my 15 team leagues last week. Uh, I, I, I didn't get him anywhere. I did have bids for him when he was available. He's been, he has a weird career because he came out in 2019 in the juice ball and he had a 2.68 ERA. Uh, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And then he had six starts in the last four years. So he's definitely a wild card. Um, I don't think what he did in 2019 is probably what he'll be because with that K rate, that's not very high. And um, also the injury, the, the, the torn Achilles twice is pretty hard to come back from. But like we've been saying with the way pitching is, he's definitely someone you want to target. Um, we're talking about uh, Braxton Garrett not getting wins. He should get wins if he pitches all right on the Braves. I think his spots well, he did come up and he got sent back down. So maybe they wanted to work on something. I don't, I don't really know why he got sent back down that one time, but if he's up to stay, I think he's definitely someone you could, you'd want to have on your, in the back end of your, uh, uh, lineup. Yeah, no, there's definitely some appeal there. I, I added him early on. I think I dropped him in 12s and maybe I'll go back and get him. I want to compare him to his teammate, Colby Allard, 
who was like Soroka in 115 leagues. Albert Allard was picked up in 51 leagues, but he went as high as 82 or Soroka went as high as 69. So this is why this is interesting to me is fewer leagues added Allard, but where they added him, they wanted to get Colby Allard. Allard four and two thirds, three, three uh, hits, no runs, one walk, eight Ks against the strikeout happy twins last week in a spot start. He's going to get another start this week. The future is in question because Max Fried's coming, supposed to be coming back relatively soon after the all-star break the same. Um, so that leaves Allard up to, up to questions. Maybe Soroka doesn't perform and Allard stays. That's the question I have for you is looking at these two pitchers, Soroka and Allard, who would you have been more aggressive on this week? Definitely Soroka. I, I remember looking at Allard's player page, his notes, and um, they weren't too confident he would stick around. But it looks like, to your point, I think he's facing the in, uh, the Guardians tomorrow. Um, so that's a decent matchup. I know they've been hot lately. But uh, <laughs> Allard's funny to me because I, I play in a uh, – it's called Diamond Mine. It's a simulation league. And I remember drafting him when he was on the in, like, the Ranger system. Um, and I've been holding on to him because I remember he was a top prospect with uh, whoever – or no, I think he went from the Braves to the Rangers back to the Braves. And like, I remember him being a big prospect and I just keep kept holding on to him. So I kind of wanted to stick around for that league, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be long for the rotation um, once the all-star break hits. Yeah. That's why I was wondering like, the skills that I remember the, the Rangers days was he literally was like hyped up, but it really never panned out type situation no. with him. But uh, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. It was it's just very interesting. This is why I like OCs is the guy that costs more money might not be the guy that's even there in another week. So it, it's always a fun game we play in this fantasy world. Heimer Candelario, the candy man. It's a dude I love. I, I've always had a soft spot for Candelario. I don't know why. There's something about this guy. And, you know, playing in, like, Washington or other bad teams, you can kind of quietly sneak guys on your rosters from time to time because they don't get paid attention to. So I've had candy on, like, my 15s for a while. Been kind of moving them in and out of 12s for, like, a buck. But he was much more popular this week. He was added in 81 leagues, as high as $48. The Nats have a great great matchup, seven-game series this week. Uh, Candelario has a nine-game hitting streak coming into tonight. And uh, he's hit safely, or he's since June 15th, hitting 344 with three homers and three steals. So what's your thoughts on Candelario? Because we've never seen him do it for a full season. But right now, he's playing very, very well. He's finally doing what we want him to do back with the Tigers, I think. Uh so it's barely than never, I guess. It's kind of weird he's having a mini breakout at 29, almost 30. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we're hitting in the Nationals lineup, he's going to hit in the top of the lineup. So going back to what we've been saying about guys like Michael Garcia, um, maybe even Tommy Pham hitting in the top. They're going to get a lot more play. He's going to get a lot of plate appearances. Um, and the one thing that's been most surprising to me is the steals. I didn't expect him to steal at all. And he's almost on like a 10-steal pace uh, if you double this up for the rest of the season. And uh, – yeah, I think he's definitely a great guy to ride while he's um, going hot right now. And uh, I don't have many shares of him either. I just have him on one draft and hold. But, uh, yeah, he's been a staple in that lineup for a while now. I, I always want to see if I, like who he's, who he's going to face and take him out. But I, he's just been stuck in my CI for the longest time now. Yep, he finds a way to do that on deeper leagues for sure. Um, Tommy Pham we've already talked about, but he was added in 63 leagues as high as $69. Will Benson added in 62 leagues as high as $85. I think I've had Benson on my roster three different times this year when the Reds face a ton of left uh, right-handed pitching because he platoons, but he's on the strong side of the platoon. And right now he's playing good enough where it's hard to just even care about the platoon. It's like, okay, as long as like five or more righties or whatever, I'm going. This week they face three righties on the weekend, which is big if you're in NFBC formats. But the month of June, or since June 1st, Benson 364, three homers, six stolen bases, walking 18.5%. He's been on fire. So what's your thoughts on Will Benson? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. He well, he he's yeah, he played for versus the lefty on uh, Sunday. So 
Maybe we'll that's better. a sign of things to come. Um, looking at the roster resource page for the Reds, uh, Nick Senzel hasn't played in a week almost. So maybe, I mean, he's going to play eventually. He's going to get a start. But um, I feel like this has been happening with Benson before. He's probably going to be one of those guys on Waxman's most added list uh, by the time the year's over. He has the, he has the tools, I know, for um, putting up some interesting numbers with the power and speed combo, especially playing in Cincinnati. So I guess kind of with Candelario for those shallower leagues, like an OC, um, you know, it's not very shallow. He still rush a lot of people. But uh, he's good to plug in when those good matchups. So I, I under put the three righties on the weekend. I understand why he's getting added, especially with outfield not being the easiest position to fill, fill right now. Um, I'm just going to get some quick hitters for you because we don't need to go through everybody. But like Seth Lugo, he was picked up. He's pitched well of late, has a good matchup this week, especially with the Darvish conundrum. I want to ask you about CJ Crone. I know he wasn't available and he shouldn't have been available in many main events. But he's added in 52 OCs for as high as 85 bucks, as low as two. The back issues always scared me, but a valley Crone's hard to ignore. Are you, what's your, like, I guess, your confidence level in CJ Crone right now? He actually was available in one of my main, main events, but I, didn't put a big bid on him because I'm running low in fab dollars, but uh, I thought about it. Um, yeah, he was someone I wasn't really in on going into this year in that first base, like kind of with the rowdy crowd and uh, Christian Walker. He was someone I, I didn't want. I didn't draft him at all this year because I had him last year on at least one team, and his splits on the road and home were, were so awful. Um, so that, uh, for that reason, I did to kind of stay away from all Rockies going into draft season this year because – with the environment being more pitcher friendly now, I mean, what we thought going into this year, it wasn't worth it. I don't think to deal with all the uh, the away games. But um, yeah, has he has he been playing? Like, how many games has he been back? I haven't really been looking. I at the uh, he's played over the weekend. Let me let me pull him up real quick. And he's Let's actually see. better than I thought he was. He came back. I was like middle of the week last week. He's kind of out of nowhere. No, he came back at the start of uh, setting rosters last week. Okay. So I was one of those guys talking about dropping him, and all of a sudden, like a late Monday out of nowhere, CJ Crone activated. So he returned on um, – that's not the right dates. CJ Crone. I'm looking right now. He's played from Tuesday through Saturday. He played five games in a row at least. Hit safely in four games. First. So, yeah. There is a, there's, there's, it's intriguing. Let's put it that way. Intriguing to see what CJ Crone can do. Um, other than that, like people are keep stashing on Neil Cruz. Hunter Harvey's the closer now in, in Washington. Uh, Jaron Duran had a big Sunday. And there's Carlos Santana and others, but uh, those are kind of long shotty, streamy type names. Uh, if you're ready, let's talk about some of our ad drops of the week. All right. I am ready. Let's do it. Let me go first. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week, I also looked at my 12 team Yahoo leagues for the last week. This to give listeners a little perspective because I'm typically 15 teams only, but uh, we'll go through them all real quick. So my first main event, 15 teams. This is the ad we mentioned with Frank. I had Jordan Westberg dropping Ramon Urias, $48, run up at 47. So that was nice. Uh, next two weren't so nice. I set, I did fab on Friday this week because I was busy this weekend, so, and I didn't really change this one too well. Um, next one was Ronald Blanco, or Blanco, who ended up getting his start skipped. He was going to face the Rockies when I was looking. Um, dropping Trevor Rogers, eight, uh, no backup. No backup because he's in the minors now, probably. <laughs> um, and then Matthew Libertor, this is another one where he was stuck in my fab list and I just didn't update it in time. I dropped Torrey Mateo, $4, no runner-up. And I don't even know if he's going to start this week. I have him in my lineup, though. Um, so I wasn't as diligent with that team as I should have. Uh, main event number two, the better one, added Kyle Wright, $4, uh, dropped Libertor in this one, runner-up of three. So that was good. Um, main event qualifier, I added Jordan Westberg again, uh, dropped Dayron Blanco. 
kind of overpaid. I had $400 and I figured, well, might as well just make sure I get them. I needed some power. I uh, bid 144, runner up of 77. So I could use that fat probably going forward, but uh, at least I got them. Uh, the other ad was I added uh, Ronel Blanco again, uh, dropped Matthew Boyd, $12, runner up of two. TGFBI, I got um, Westberg here as well, dropped Ramon Urias, uh, $48 once more, runner up of 45. So another another good bid there. Uh, I added Edward Alvarez, uh, dropped Dayron Blanco again, $8, no runner up. Added Paul Blackburn, dropped Trevor Rogers again, $8, no runner up. And then going into my, my Yahoo 12 team leagues, these are much more shallower than, than the main event, even the OCs. Uh, last week, I added Hunter Harvey, dropped Kyle Finnegan, uh, the clean swap there. Uh, looks like, like you mentioned, Harvey is, seems like he's the guy now. Had three saves last week, so that was nice. Um, dropped Lamont Wade there. Uh, I, I, I like Wade, but he was like with the shoulder in and out of the lineup, um, it was getting annoying. And then the other team, I added Westberg as well. I dropped Jose Alvarado, which was sad, but I have him in my 15 still. I got Westberg for four dollars, and these and Yahoo for, if you don't know, you you're allowed zero dollar bids, so that's why I didn't mention the price on the other two. Um, then I had Joey Votto as well, one dollar dropped Rowdy. This is where I dropped Rowdy. It was sad, um, had to say bye. Um, and then I also dropped Patrick Sandoval and and Lars. So uh, in a deeper league, you're not going to really drop Lars or Sandoval, I think. But in a shallower 12, um, it was time to to send them on their way. Yep. No, that, uh, that makes sense. I mentioned Lars earlier, uh, as an option. So for me, in uh, I have three different OCs. My first OC, I added Will Benson, dropped Bo Naylor. People, I got him for $2 with no runner up, dropped Bo Naylor because I got him for cheap. Didn't think I'd get him. I got him the week that Sean Murphy was hurt. So I needed a second catcher and I held on to him last week. Cause Murphy's, you saw it on Twitter. His playing time was like, what are we doing here? Well, now he's back to being Sean Murphy, it looks like. So Bo Nather was uh, affordable to go. So someone will enjoy that. Nather's been good, but he hasn't really lit the world on fire. I wouldn't like go like overly excited about that, but we'll see. Uh, added Tristan Casas, dropped Jesus Sanchez 2-0. to zero. Love the improvements Casas is making at the plate. I think there is a lot to like there. And then literally like a, a depth play with some upside. The Tigers don't have the matchups they had last week. but still decent. It's kind of funny because I went Tiger for Tiger. I added Andy Abanez for a buck, dropped Kerry Carpenter because I need that flexibility on my squad right now. And it turned out pretty well. And Abani is actually crushing baseball, so I'll ride that while we can. In my second OC, CJ Crone went for 37 bucks in this league. Uh, I added Will Benson, dropped Randall Gritchick, 3-0. to zero. Added Candelario, dropped this – one, this one stung, but I had to. Dropped Luis Matos, 1-0. to zero. I love Luis Matos. I think he still needs some development time to get all of his skills intact. Like, we, the batting average is okay. It's still not great. He's, before last night, he's really struggling – Power hasn't really shown up there, like, you know, barrels and, and, and hard hit rate. It's there. I just think he needs to get uh, more time to get there. And, I, and a 12, I can't afford to, to let that sit. So he went to the wayside. In my final OC, Will Benson again dropped Edward Julian, three to one. Added Max Kepler, dropped Brandon Belak, three to nothing. Added Garrett Cooper, dropped Joey Votto, one to nothing. So that was a, an eventful one. Uh, TGFBI, which I'm surprisingly somehow doing well in, uh, added Will Benson, dropped Billy McKinney, added Carlos Santana, dropped Osvaldo Beto. We know my love for Beto. We'll get to that later. Um, and then the On the Wire League that I play, and the only other fab league I got, added Will Benson, added Carlos Santana, added Trevor Manx. I need closers, but don't love it, but I added him. So a lot of Will Benson in my life, and a lot of uh, Candelario is what took place this past week, and uh, we'll see how that all pans out. All right, 
let's talk uh, listener questions. We have some fun ones here, and we'll start off with uh, Fantasy Dude Bro. 12-team keeper league, $260 budget. You keep five. Player values increase 25% per year. He can give Acuna at $38 in 2024 and Ozuna at $10, and, and he'll get back J-Rod for 24 and Jordan Walker for 20 I still don't think I can give up Acuna. Yeah, and I think the I think the Ozuna part was the cut to make room yeah. for the other two, right? He was going to cut Ozuna, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I lean with the Acuna side, especially in a twelve teamer, because you'd rather yeah. have the better player in yeah, a, a shower sure. league. And Acuna is still cheap, young, and like I can't remember if it was on Sunday nights. Yeah, I think it was like uh, Rob and Jeff. They wouldn't be shocked if Acuna gets close to sixty bucks in an auction next year. Like if you're paying thirty eight, you take that and walk away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the guilds, our buddy asked, "How did Classe blow that game last night?" Disgruntled Savali owner. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that one, that one stopped. I had Savali yeah. and Classe on the same team, so yeah. Enjoy oh, that. the thing was, so I know he was like more like in jest saying that, but looking at Classe, he's been unlucky. He has a 57.9 percent left on base. I thought this was kind of fascinating. His ground ball percentage is almost as high as his left on base percentage. It's 57.6. It's his ground ball percentage. Um, and then the other thing, because I remember, I think you saw my tweet way back when it was like end of April. He didn't have a K for I don't know how many games in a row. He just wasn't striking anybody out. Um, so his K minus walk is 15% on the year, which is not what you expect from an elite closer who's going as the first league pitcher off the board. Um, but he does have a 14.4% swing strike rate. And that's with that 21.6% K rate. So I think he's been unlucky with the K somewhat. But it's also, a, it might be a pitch miss. Pitch Mitch, I can't talk pitch mix thing because of uh the cutter usage i think it's probably getting whiffs early in the count and then if you're seeing it all the time there's making contact so i think um it's going to happen if he's not getting those strikeouts i think some of these blow-ups i know it's one one outing but it definitely stings yeah that is the is the tricky part there but yeah i'm kind of with you on that one as well um mike carter good friend of the show good human being in general um has a, a question i guess very good because it's a name that got called up recently, but it feels like isn't getting talked about as much as I thought he would be. And that's Nick Gonzalez of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, Gonzalez was a high time, uh, high draft pick at one point in time. His AAA numbers were um, were not bad, but he hit 257, six homers. He had 25 extra base hits, only one stolen base. You're kind of sitting there like, yeah, what, what's he going to be? But since he got called up, he's hitting 222, but he's got two home runs, so the power's there. Lots of strikeouts. Mike Carter wants to know, is, is Gonzalez worth an ad for those in need of MI help? So for 15s, I said definitely. Uh, 12-teamers, I could see it. Uh, one issue, he's on the Pirates batting six, so unless he moves up, he might not be as productive as we're hoping. Yeah, I also looked at his uh, minor league stats because I wasn't too familiar. I, I did have him in um, some claims lists when he got called up. I made a note when I remember hearing that he got called up. So in 211 minor league games, only thir- well, he has 31 homers and 14 steals. So that's maybe like a 24, I don't know, 10-ish pace maybe for a, over, over the minors. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of that was in high A. Uh, that's a lot of that production came from. And then at only 71 double-A games, only 57 triple-A games. So, I mean, he's tw- I think he's 24, so he's kind of getting up to that age where he has, he has to prove it. Um, but – if you're desperate, I, I get it, taking a flyer on him. Yeah, I'm there as well. Deeper format specifically, like you said, 
there's one thing that stands out. I, I know Carter was there. I want to say it was two years ago at FPAS, but it was whatever year Gonzalez was in the Arizona Fall League. And I want to say it was two years ago, but it could be wrong. It could have been last year. Um, they do a big prospect panel, uh, one of the first things they do, and go over all the names you need, you're going to see and here at AFL so you have an idea of what's going on. And the the, uh, the scouts that we're talking, like these are there's a couple team scouts there. Not big on Nick Gonzalez about his swing. Like they're breaking him down, and it was a big like it's stuck in my brain. Like there's something not there that we saw in college that is not transferring to wooden bats just yet. So we'll see where that plays out. Dave Petroziello, he has a big question for us here. He says, I just picked up Ryan Nelson in my main. The fly ball rate is scary, but his last two starts have been really good. Swinging strike is up. I believe in his last four. And I th- and I think that coincides a bit with increased changeup usage. I know Ben is a great main event player, so I'm interested to see what he thinks. He has to be better than Jamison Tyon, right? Well, I'm not a main event player, and I can tell you he's better than Jamison Tyon. But what is Ben's thoughts on Ryan Nelson, who I did have in my waterfalls this week, even in 12s? Yeah, so I drafted him in my what I'm calling my good main event, and I – I ended up dropping him and I kind of wanted him back this week. So the, so one thing with Nelson, he's not getting strikeouts really. Like I know he had, well, actually, let me look now. Well, he's starting to now for a while though. He wasn't, he was walking, his, his walking K rates were kind of close. Um, but these last two starts have been very good. So I, and I was interested in, like I said, I drafted him in the main event. So I knew like he had potential. Um, it kind of hurts that I'm not, I don't have him right now. Cause I think he's probably going to stick around. Um, so if Dave got him, it's a good ad. I, I was hoping to try to get him back myself. Um, I think he's gonna be prone to some blowups, but who isn't like we've been saying. Um, so I'm looking at his game log. He he gives, it's like, he gives up a homer every day almost. So he had like one, zero, one, two, zero, one. It's like almost probably like a a homer per start on average. So if he, he has to kind of keep that in check, but, um, yeah, for those 15 teamers, I think he's definitely someone that is worth uh, taking a chance on. Yep, I'm with you there. I think there's there's definitely something there. He's going to have some rough starts. There's no sugarcoating that, yeah. but he's been much better of late, which I've noticed. So you can roll him out there and see what happens in the right matchups for sure. Uh, also, thank named, you, Dave, for the kind words. <laughs> this guy named Ryan Bloomfield, not sure if you guys heard about him. He had a question, and this is, uh, this is towards you, Ben. Do you have any streaming recommendations for Bubba? Heard he could use some help. I kind of want to say neutral. I was, I'll root for you, Bubba, but uh, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want him to get high on his horse here because I'm just going to remind everybody when I had my big lead, I said I'm worried about you, Ryan. You're going to come back and beat me. That's on audio somewhere, um, and and I never got cocky, so I'm looking forward to when I come back and take this down. It'll be great. Yeah, and you you won't let him hear about it the entire round either. No, no, it'll or be eighteen, holes, it, 18 yeah. holes of just pure kindness and no <laughs> words said at all, just strictly playing golf it'll be amazing um but yes yes i'm still gonna phone a friend one of these days so so be ready my phone's Um, my phone's ready to go just let me know i will hit you up uh nicola nicola brovic uh mentions in a categories league how many players would you dedicate to a category to feel good about it productivity wise or maybe a better way for me to ask is are there mid-season pacing marks that would indicate team viability like being viable for the person's team I get it's league dependent, but in both cases, I'm just trying to gauge. I know my team needs runs in RBIs, for example, but I'm not sure if I'm unlucky or if it's broken. That's a great question because I think we all go through it in every format we have. It's like, should we cut bait with this guy to improve a category, even though we know this guy could break out? Rowdy Telez, great example on this, this story. Um, but how, how, what's your thoughts on this one, Ben? I think it's, it's a really good question. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I remember telling you, like, I, this is a, I love these questions where it's like deeper than just like a player analysis, you know, yeah. uh, it's more thinking. I think that comes with it. So to answer his initial question, all of them, <laughs> ideally you want all of your position players to contribute to all five stats. It's not possible for pitching, but for hitters, you want, that's why JT Romito and Dalton Varsho are highly sought after catchers because they get those steals. Oh, that's why Jose Ramirez was a top five pick because he, he gets those steals at a position where you don't normally see steals. Um, for me personally, in the draft, I, since it's not realistic to get steals from every position, for example, or even power sometimes, um, is tracking. So I'm a, if you haven't heard me talk about this before on the handful of podcasts I've been on, I'm a big uh, projections guy, at least when I'm drafting. So I have a spreadsheet that I use, my keep my rankings in. I have projections in there. And this isn't for everyone. You have to be a good multitasker to do this. But as I'm drafting, I'm, I'm updating the picks. And I have it mapped out where my team is sent to a different – or like my team tolls are calculated in terms of, of the projections that I use. And so, for example, going into the main event drafts this season, I aggregated 2021's 80th percentile totals for the overall as well as 2022's. And that got me targets of – 1,039 runs, and these are completely off now with the new environment, by the way, but it's just for the example. So a little over 1,000 runs, 296 home runs, 1,005 RBIs, and 125 steals. So if you break that down to an NFBC main event lineup, that's which uh, is 14 people, that's 74 runs, 21 homers, 72 RBIs, and nine steals per player. So if you're able to track your projection, your team projections, if you believe in that as you draft, those – that target for each player is going to change as you draft players because you might draft Pete Alonso first. So then your homer position is going to go down, but then your steals are going up. So it's, it's a balancing act. Before I started doing this, I kind of would just like, I would just go at it without knowing what my targets were for my teams. Like back when I first started playing fantasy, I'd be like, Oh, this guy's good. Oh, I'll draft John Carlos Stanton. Then I'll draft D Gordon. And there's like 50 homers, 50 steals from two players, but it's one, it's all one and all the other. Um, so it's, it's not easy to do. Like I, I'm not telling, I'm not recommending that you do this while you draft. Cause you, it's a lot to keep track of. You have to be good at it. Um, I've gotten better since I've been doing it the last couple of years. Um, but for the in season portion, I'm, I've heard people talking about on podcasts about the, uh, the use of in season projections, like rest of season projections. And I don't look at them because I, I use my teams as enough or my leagues as enough of a gauge to how my team's doing. Cause that's all that really matters in the end is where you are in your standings. Um, I get where uh, the listener is coming from with the uh, runs and RBI deficiency. I'll use my one main event as an example. I tweeted about this earlier in the year. Like I was in the 700s in terms of points, which is pretty high up in homers and runs, but I was like in a hundred in runs. So it, it, you shouldn't think that should be such a mismatch when you have that many homers and RBIs. You think you'd have maybe like 400 points of runs. But I'm like, so what's the issue? I have Roddy Telez. He doesn't score runs. Yeah. I have Willie Adamas doesn't score runs. He hit some homers, but they're not scoring runs. So it's 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 kind of luck based when you get into a situation like that. If you're, it's it's tough to get out of. Um, if you're in a if in a 12 team league, you have more options for who you're going to add off the waivers. But if you believe in these guys and they're underperforming, I think you, you should give them a little more leash. Um, come August, then you can start dropping. Well, you can start dropping now, but if it's like an early round pick, I think you just got to kind of stick with them to, and eventually you can cut them, but it, it's, it's a tough balancing act to do. It's, it's not an easy answer. I don't think. No, there's no easy answer to it. That's one of the, 
the luxuries of being an analyst in this world is we get all those kind of questions and should I drop them or not? And I'm like, dude, you're going to be wrong more than you're right. Let me tell you that right now. It's just the way it goes in this game. So it's like we talked about it on like Bloomfield and other guys that we've talked about it with is if you're not making mistakes, you're not playing. Like you need to take chances. Like I'm not saying go full crazy and just start going all over the place, but you got to take chances. Like I'll never forget the year where it looked like Matt Carpenter was broken, like completely done. And I dropped him and then he went on the best like four month run you've ever seen on the face of the planet, like five years ago or whatever it was. I'll never forget that. That that was that just crushed me. That was that was a tough one. But and then you look, you look at this year, like I I wrote off Jose Abreu. Dude almost hit three home run three hundred with six home runs in June. He looks good right now. Um but then there's the flip side. There's we're still holding on to Rowdy Telez and he might not ever figure it out type stuff. It's just you never know how it goes. And it's just it's a balancing act. I think the higher the pick, they deserve the break. Like Ben's saying, like you drafted them high for a reason. It's because they have a pedigree and a talent base. You got to, unless you're seeing dramatic, dramatic issues that are like, this is why they're not doing this. Then you could probably cut bait. But even with Rowdy, you look underneath and like, he looks a lot like the hitter he's been before. He just needs to be more aggressive at the plate. Like he's everything else is, is there. And you could look at that with every player basically. And you'll start to get an idea of the goods, the bads and the uglies of the situation and where to go from there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's no perfect science, as Ben said. That's for sure. Uh, one other thing I would recommend, and it takes extra work to do, is look at schedules. And if you need runs, for instance, go for top-of-the-order hitters. That's just my two cents. Just, just throw out the rest and go, hey, for like a week or two, I'm going to take guys that got seven games this week, and they hit a top of the batting over and see where I can like start racking up stuff. But you'll then you might become deficient somewhere else. So it's just one of those things. It's a balancing act. That you're gonna have to do week in and week out, and or see if you can afford like Ben's gonna punt saves. See if you can say, you know what, I'm not gonna score runs this year. But give me everything else. We're gonna go that direction and see where you finish there. So it's a it's a it's a, it's a game we play, a fun game we play. Absolutely. But all right, Ben, we're gonna wrap it up there. Any final thoughts as we are about at the All Star break? It's kind of sad, isn't it? Like it's, we wait all winter for yeah. this, and now it's half over. Yeah, it's half over. Football's gonna start reporting for training camp, and no one's gonna remember we even play this game anymore, except for us. And we'll yes. take advantage of it. Us diehards, we will definitely <laughs> take advantage of it. Because next time we talk to, well, maybe we'll talk to him before this, obviously. But in the end of the season, we're gonna talk to Ben, and that seventh place main event team is gonna cash. It's gonna be so much fun. I have nothing on wood right now. Yeah, I, hey, I got you right here. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, the grinders will per- will persevere and succeed by the end of this season for sure. But yeah, final thoughts. Sorry. No, thanks again for having me on. I always appreciate talking to you. You're a good friend now. Yep. Um, always listening. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so good luck, everyone. Happy 4th to you as well, Bubba. And uh, keep grinding at it. Yep, that's the thing. Keep grinding. And uh, thanks for joining me, as always. Uh, you are a friend. And maybe I'll start sliding into the DMs with more than just, hey, you want to get on my podcast and see, <laughs> see what's going on. But uh, yeah. I, I plan on having you on again here uh, You know, sometime in this season. We'll, we'll chat some more. It's always fun picking your brain and seeing where you go. And uh, I, I enjoy it uh, tremendously. So have a good fourth. Uh, everybody that's listening, I hope you guys have a good fourth or had a good fourth. If you listen after the holiday, stay safe. Don't go Jason Pierre Paul on us. Like, keep your fingers, please. That, that'd be a big one. I like loud noises and fire too, but you know, be smart about it. Let the professionals do it. But uh, we'll be back with you guys next week with more Bench with Bubba. Actually, I might have another episode this week, actually. We'll see how that goes. But this was Bench with Bubba, episode 596 with the one, the only, Ben Tid. Catch you all next time.
one way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.